Hi, I'm Ray. My pronouns today are she, her, and you're listening to Insert Quest here. Today, we undertake a quest to explore LARP, tabletop roleplay, and their intersection. Uh, to help me on this quest, I have Dr. Melody Watson, historian, game designer, and smut merchant. Melody, please say hello. Hello, I'm Melody. Um, my pronouns are she, her. Uh, yeah, it's nice to meet you all. Fantastic. We also have with us Craig Page, writer, game designer, and knower of the Jedi path. Craig, please say hello. Hello, everyone. My name is Craig, uh, pronouns he, him, and I'm looking forward to the conversation today. Excellent. So this conversation is probably going to take a bit of a free-flowing path, um, course even. Uh, We we know that we want to talk about... uh, how these two things interact, because obviously they they have a lot of similarities. Uh, what LARPers can learn from tabletop role playing, and what tabletop role players can learn from uh, from uh, LARPing, and how you can transition between the two mediums, and how you can bring elements of both into your stuff. And we'll see how much of that we actually manage to get through. Uh, but uh, to start us off, I thought it might be fun to talk about. Uh, what our first LARP was and what our first uh, tabletop roleplay was. So why don't we start with Craig? What was your first LARP? Oh, God. Um, That was Vampire the Requiem uh, 2010. Um, I, like, how how far do you want me to go in on that? Because that's... I don't know. Maybe just talk about whether you liked it or not. Oh God! Well, considering that I, I uh, later became a storyteller for uh, for Vampire, and then later for Mage of the Awakening in the same club, I, I think I kind of liked it. Um, and what I, was, I got, uh, go ahead. I was just saying, what was your first tabletop experience? Oh God, um, that's Asking a little the hard questions. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, that's a little harder for me to say because I had some really off and on experiences with D and D. From college age on, I wasn't a, I wasn't a gamer until I graduated from college. Um, but my so I had a couple of D and D experiences. Eberron was my was my first like foray into D and D. But my first major session was oh good grief. Um, uh, the long I'll actually say I'll do this because it's been a lot of. Uh, bursts and one shots. Um, my first major campaign for longer than a year was actually a game called Rememorex by my friends at Nerdy City Productions. I they did a year long campaign about um, uh, nostalgic uh, '80s horror and the horror of '80s nostalgia. So wow, that sounds like uh, a great uh, little game. <laughs> it sounds excellent. It, it, it's a it's a terrific game. I got to write a little bit for it, um, and yeah, it's. But that was like the longest campaign I've ever had at a tabletop. And I've also played Seven C with John, uh, done by John Wick Presents, which I now get to write for, which is nice. interesting. So yeah, it's interesting you say. Oh, the yeah. the you know the first serious campaign is like you know that was longer than a year, and I'm like, oh boy, I. I don't even want to play one game for more than like twelve <laughs> sessions. Um, Melody, what about you? What was your first LARP experience? 
So I kind of have two answers, one of which is like the serious one and the other is the cheeky one. Oh, uh, I'm and, excited. <laughs> so the serious answer is I'm pretty sure it was Changeling the Dreaming. Um, so when I was maybe 14 or 15, um, there was a like long running Changeling the Dreaming LARP in my city and some friends invited me along to that. Uh, I, <clears throat> I got to play like a a childling uh, engineer character who wore an army helmet. We stole a tank to fight the Jabberwocky at one point. It was good fun. Um, That sounds like a plan I'd come up with. (laughs) (laughs) It was, it was great. Um, uh, None of us had loved, like from my kind of little clique who joined, none of us had loved before. We had no idea what we were doing. It was great fun. Um, uh, and from there, we then went into like a masquerade, Vampire the Masquerade lap that a friend was running. Um, and yeah, we all got kind of got bitten by the bug. Um, so my cheeky answer, though, is like when I was in primary school and I would like spend my recesses and lunches like role playing with friends. Would, like there was one we had like, I don't know why in primary school we did this. We had like a Warhammer role play where we were like role playing the um the primarchs and um wow. you know, the horus heresy basically <laughs> that's pretty <laughs> that's 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 pretty full on yeah okay i, I don't uh, yeah i pretty i don't know how much i actually knew about warhammer at that point it just seemed cool i think mm. um and I mean, the other yeah. one was i had a cyborg velociraptor character so you know go figure Oh, yeah. I remember that Primark. (laughs) Cyborg Velociraptor. (laughs) The the 23rd Primark. Cyberraptor. (laughs) His legions never understood what he was trying to say. Uh, that's, That's cool. And what was your first tabletop experience? So, my first tabletop experience was I was about five years old because um, my dad was like in the early generations of D&D uh, players and things like that when he was when he was one of the youths. So, he, yeah, got, got me into it at an early age. I, remember, I don't remember much about that first game except I was playing a Cavalier and I immediately fell into a spike pit and couldn't get back out because I was wearing full plate armor. Nice, nice. Yeah, so my first experience was uh, Path... No. I think I played a game of D&D 4th Edition or something. And I was mm. like, oh, okay, this is kind of cool. I can get into this. And then did not get invited back to play for like oh. six months when one oh. of them started a campaign. Mm. And that was Pathfinder. And then my first LARP experience, I think, was actually after I had written my first LARP. <laughs> I think my first LARP experience was I played in a local uh, boffer LARP that spawned out of Melbourne, but now has a few offshoots around the place, uh, which was Swordcraft, which is... Um, <laughs> look... Craig and I have had discussions before about my feelings about Boffalarp and also <laughs> like the, the 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 philosophy towards safety in those games being oh. that, being that all weapons should be safe to be used in any manner and I'm like that's just yeah. a bad safety philosophy. <laughs> um uh yeah, but it, you know, it was kind of fun and then did I had written my own game uh like a week before. Uh so, where do we think we want to start from here? Uh, what I, kind of, what, yeah. I'm kind of curious what that first game you wrote was. Uh, like, yes. 
So the lot that I wrote was, uh, I believe the current title is uh, A Duo, um, which is a um, primarily two-person LARP uh, about uh, about having a conversation. Um, in particular, normally having a conversation in a fantastical context while being in a real space. Um, so there are settings that you pick based on the location you are in and the uh and the and the activity you're doing uh so there's one where if you're up high and you can see people below you uh you are having conversations as angels uh there's one where there's one that I have yet to actually put to paper uh where if you are at some place and waiting and two people are waiting for a third to arrive. Uh, you are uh, some kind of spies waiting for the, waiting for a agent to make a drop. That's so cool. Um, and like, I'm curious, was we, cause you hadn't looked up before, but were you like, when you sat down and re- wrote this game, were you like, were you thinking about it as a LARP? Yes, I definitely was because I'd been trying to think of. Um, I thought of a while ago of making a role playing game where you. It was a role playing game about snipers, a sniper team. So a two person role playing game about a sniper Ooh. team. Um, but it wasn't about trying to kill someone. It was about passing the hours of boredom waiting <laughs> for the target to arrive so that you could shoot them. Mm. Um, and then I was like, and then I was thinking about. You know, angels probably have to sit around <laughs> waiting for people too. And then I was like, hmm. I mean, Wait, you, what, you, what you, if you were oh, sorry? You were you were writing a sniper waiting for Godot? <laughs> I guess, <no>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So then I had the idea of, well, what if there was? What if I instead made it about angels? Because I mean, I I know that snipers do do that, and I've heard snipers talk about it before. But would it be? inappropriate or would or would it require too much research or, or would I feel actually comfortable writing that game um, and then I was like well what if I made it about angels and I'm like but what if I made it about mobsters what if it was about <laughs> mobsters like waiting in a dreary rainy construction site <laughs> for the boss to drop off the person they've got to bury in cement uh, oh, and, oh. Then, and then more and more of these ideas kept coming uh and then I was like, oh, they're, they're all the same game then. <laughs> this is all one game. And it, your setting is determined by where you are. Um, mm, that's cool. Yeah. Um, also, what about angels who are also snipers? I mean, you could definitely do angel snipers. That's... <laughs> so, so, yeah, the sniper, the sniper play set is for you're in a... I think it's for if you're in a park or a woodlands or something and you are staying in place watching one direction so you could definitely do you're in a park or woodlands up high there are people below you and you're staying and you're staying in one spot and looking in one direction and then it's like well now we're angel snipers it's yeah way. <laughs> glorious um, but yeah so where do we want to go from here how do you how do you how have you f- how I, I'm, I'm not quite sure where to take the discussion from this point um do we maybe want to jump into I mean, would you just, how would, I, I know that I would describe myself as primarily a tabletop role player that dabbles in LARP. Mm. Um, 
and there's definitely ways that LARP are getting more interested in LARP and learning about LARP has improved my role playing. But uh, what about what about for y'all? Yeah, I'll go, I guess um, uh, I'm actually on the opposite side of that. Mm-hmm. I am primarily a LARPer who is getting into table topping. I've actually. Uh, since the recent campaigns I've been running and since the, uh, the work I've been doing, I've wanted to run more tabletops, I find, uh, as opposed to LARPs. Well, not as opposed to LARPs, but just I find myself wanting to write more tabletops and get more into the culture. Um, but, yeah, I, I'd identify as a LARPer first mm-hmm. uh, just because it, there's – I have a clear idea and, like, in my head why, but I'd like to see where the conversation goes before I sure. ramble for that long. <laughs> and Melly, what are your thoughts? Yeah, so um, I think I'm similar uh, similar to Craig in that regard. So um, for, like, when I, so I got into LARP at a certain point, and then I just, like, got so into LARP. Um, <laughs> and for a long time, I, like, barely did tabletop stuff i just I, there was like um so there's a a lap world of darkness lap club um in australia uh that has a, a a mixed reputation i won't name it um i had a lot of good experiences there and some not good experiences but i was involved in that for like over 10 years um uh and that's it easily becomes very consuming um partially because there's like this their style of like ongoing persistent kind of LARP um that one of the differences with tabletop I find is that like with tabletop you can like you put the game down between sessions like mm-hmm. you know you play a game and then you know maybe it ends on a cliffhanger or something and then you know you maybe you talk about it a little bit with friends but like that's it there's no you know you the, you wait till the next session then you continue playing um, whereas with persistent kind of, um, you know, campaign or chronicle LARPs, especially like political ones and that kind of thing, you like, um, you might have ca- in-character conversations outside of game. You might have totally other scenes. You might, you know, you'll be um, coming up with uh, stories about what your characters did in before they, you know, before the game started with other characters. Um and it's great, uh, but it's, it, I, I f- find it um, it's very easy to get sucked in and, like, it took up a lot of my time for, you know, a very long period of time, uh, which is great. It's, like, it has that level of texture and depth that you can't really get in a tabletop game just because, you know, in a tabletop game, you have limited time, so you're putting the focus on the really interesting kind of core moments and you don't get that kind of everyday stuff that is nevertheless really interesting um, and dynamic. Yeah, wow, that's that's an interesting yeah, it's interesting topic. Mm. Um so yeah, for a long time I like m- m- almost exclusively LARPed. Um but over the last kind of year, year and a half I've been doing a lot more um tabletop games and taking taking a bit of a break from LARP just because it, I I do find it's easy to like get into a kind of not not really having a break, you know. I um and which is great and like there were times where I really enjoyed that and it works for a lot of people, but I've I've been finding it a bit like stressful just kind of not having that those like on times then off times. Yeah. All of the LARPs in my region are uh are combat LARPs. Um mm. it's very strange to me the decision that they make 
they do they have like they have Discord servers where they talk where they do their in character role playing, and then on their Friday night meetup they just fight and there's no role playing. <laughs> and I'm like, that's the opposite of what should be happening. <laughs> you can you can abstract fighting in text. And you can have more interesting fights in text than you'll be able to do physically. <laughs> you should be you should be role playing in person, um, which is not to say that they shouldn't be fighting in person. That's cool too. It's just strange that they do all of their this community in my city has decided that all of their character development happens <laughs> in in their text chat instead of in person. It, it all depends on the on the culture of the games, and that's one of those weird, you know, I'm not going to say weird. It's one of those things where uh, that reminds me a lot of, like, culture similar to uh, MMOs like World of Warcraft, where your main interaction is through a text box. You know, that's that's what it sounds like to me. And, and all, it's, it's interesting uh, analyzing the etymology of uh, of where these games started and the culture that uh, formed around it. Uh, the culture that Melody was talking about, I referred to as 24 hour gaming, mm. um, which I've also experienced. And, um, because we're, we're both, uh, world of darkness survivors, <laughs> I guess, um, where, uh, you're definitely in a 24 hour, you know, with LARPing, you're def- uh, there's definitely the propensity for, um, it, there is as much as there is a, clear cutoff time in the actual game because you're embodying your character. Yeah, you can take it, your character it, it, with you and you can you can like yeah. you can embody your character on the off time. You can just be like walking through yeah. the city and like pretending that you are that person. Absolutely. And also like you know in LARPs um not all LARPs um but you know uh in kind of uh so the the term I think is powers and secrets LARPs, which is kind of ones that are about, you know, politics and power and um, and that kind of thing, which is a lot of World of Darkness ones. Um, the, there's like, there, in that type of LARP and parlor LARPs and um, kind of like a lot of Nordic ones, uh, there is, it's not like kind of, say you're playing a four hour long game. It's not like four hours of action there are like periods of time where you uh there's not a lot going on and and like for some people that might sound initially boring but it's actually really important because you know it gives you the opportunity to like have these like have kind of character building conversations or you know um like think more about your character and like flesh them out in in different ways um like being being like board and I use that word in inverted commas is actually really important because like it gives you the opportunity to add like a lot more texture to life and to the story and that kind of thing. Um it definitely feels like a like LARPs can do like ballrooms and party scenes better than tabletop RPGs can because like when I'm doing a tabletop RPG and I've tried to do like a ballroom it feels like you're just constantly switching from like high drama thing to high drama thing and it does not like adequately emulate the feeling of being at a party where definitely that sounds more like the actual feeling of being at a party like there might be a dramatic thing that happens but like it's punctuated by all these just like Normal things happening. Yeah. 
And while the dramatic thing... What kind of crisps does my vampire like? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's Uh, interesting. Um, uh, uh, Do you think that there's something... Do we think that there's something that maybe... Maybe other things that LARP does better than tabletop? And then we'll we'll flip that later. Well, with LARPing, uh, LARPs are are event-driven. Mm-hmm. Um, you are going to the prince's, you know, uh, manor for a ball or a political conclave. You are meeting in the town to defend it against zombie hordes. You are, uh, or, you know, what, or the orcs are coming and you must defend the town. And, and I reckon wave defense gameplay would work way better in LARP than it does in tabletop, because in Absolutely. tabletop it's just boring, but in LARP you could actually have the downtime between waves. Uh, yes, uh, and uh, there have been several uh, zombie horror games that I've been in, Dystopia Rising being chief among them, mm. um, where we have done way, like wave uh, enemy waves of zombie NPCs coming in, and the difference between that personally and that as a tabletop is a lot more pronounced. It is such an experience and it changes the way you play because then there's, there's what you have on your sheet and then there's what you yourself can do. Mm-hmm. And that changes everything. Um, but yeah, no, LARP, LARPs are uh, effectively you, you uh, if you're running a LARP, um, you are effectively an event planner. Uh, you, you know, you control that. You control the set. You control the, you know, some of the key points. But basically, the people there make up the party. Uh, and whereas with tabletops, as as a GM, you are in charge of all of it. Unless you're like you are basically, you have to narrate and design all of this, not just. For, just for your players to know where they are and work from there. And you have to guide all of the NPCs instead of just giving, giving an actual human being a name, you know, like here, here is your sheet, here are your directions. You are, you are in charge of this. I send you off. Um, it becomes a LARPing like that can be a lot more organic than say a tabletop because with tabletops, you kind of have to control it a little bit just because you are in control of more of it yeah yeah there's actually a really interesting kind of um discussion about documentation of larps um and so for the purposes of most of this conversation um just to kind of define my terms um i'm when i'm talking about larps a lot of the time i mean kind of larger ones because you can have larps that are like five people um you know there there's a lot that's two people as i think Exactly. Um, and there's a, a lot of, um, in the kind of American freeform LARP tradition, there are a lot of smaller scale ones. But like, yeah. so when I'm talking um, about LARP, so I often mean kind of these larger scale ones with a gr- large number of players. Um, there's this interesting discussion about um, documentation uh, and like how, because, you know, if you play a tabletop game or run a tabletop game, you know everything that happens at the table because you're there for everything. And you can like then go write down a play report and you can say, this happened, this happened, this happened. This was good, that was bad. But if you're running a lot with like 20 people, there's no way that you can actually see everything that happens and be present for everything or know how everyone felt about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like if you then write down a thing that says, this is how the LARP went, like it's 
you know, like that's one of many possible perspectives. It's only going to take certain things into account. Um, it's like trying to ask how a party went. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, I had fun. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, there's yeah, there's this interesting discussion about like how do you like how do you like what is the LARP? Is it the is it the paperwork that? And I mean the same thing in tabletops. Is it the book that has the rules, or is it the what happens in the game, or is it each person's individual experience of it? Um, but yeah, to, like jump back a little bit, you know, what, in terms of what LARP does well. Um, and Craig kind of touched on this. It's about experience. Like both LARP and tabletop games are about you know narrative, but also like because you are embodying in some way in a LARP, it does have much more of a focus on the actual, like, experience of of things. Um, and, like, kind of that, yeah, internalization and, like, you're not just... Even if you're, like, really good at, you know, separating between the game and real life or whatever, you know, you're still going to be immersed in this these situations. Um, yes. And it does, like, blur the line... Um, you know, between, like, the game world and, you know, your actual, you know, lived experience, and especially some of the really big budget, like, ones with amazing sets and things like that. Yeah. Um, All those... That that Nordic LARP, the Battlestar Galactica one, uh-huh. that was a decommissioned yeah. fucking military <laughs> ship. So, yeah. yep. so good. <laughs> I, I, I met the guys who ran it. It oh. was as intense as you think it was. Um, <laughs> so good. Uh, that that term though of that immersion where is that called you bleed? A, that is called bleed. Yes, it is. Yeah, I lo- I listen to what Craig says to me. I remember <laughs> these things. But um, do you want to do you want to maybe define bleed? Is or did Melody give a good enough? <laughs> uh, yeah, no. Ble- uh, Melody basically put nailed it on the head. Uh, bleed is that. Uh, Bleed is just, in, in, in short sentences, the emotional uh, transfer between player and character or character to player. Um, if you're having a bad day at, at coming in from work and going into game and your character is you know, also experiencing bad, bad mood, that's bleed. If your character has, you know, if your character has a terrible experience and that affects you later after the game, that is also bleed. And it's not always negative. I'm just using those because that's usually what happens. Um, like those are really good. You know, there can be great moments. It's uh, And this happens in tabletop as well, but because of LARP, uh, where you are embodying this character and you have multiple points of contact with each other, I apologize. I actually, I know I said a few sentences and I've gone on a rant. Um, I mean, it's good. That's the nature of this podcast. <laughs> We're all about rants. But, mm-hmm. but um, because you are embodying that character and you have, depending on, on the type of game, because you can even do this in a black box where it's just you and four walls, it's, you're, you're still experiencing it with multiple senses other than just hearing and, you know, hear, yeah. you know it's, you're, you're feeling it. You're surrounded by people who are also experiencing something similar. There and so it enforces more. it a lot more. Yeah, there's a lot more presence in the whatever the um, in the imagined space. Uh, yes, because there are more elements of the imagined space in your reality. Um, yeah, um, as an example of something that I, you know, kind of um, 
is at that intersection of tabletop and LARP, I think, is a game that I wrote, um, Lyca, uh, which I think I talked about last time I was on the podcast. But, yes, um, definitely did. Uh, so, which is a one-person game about, you know, the space dog Lyca and sending her to space and that kind of thing. And it is essentially a LARP. Like, there are no other players there, but, and, you know, there is no, um, you know, you, like, it's... It's essentially just you on your own, kind of going through some steps and doing some craft and and that kind of thing. But it is you. Ha- there are things that you have to do yourself, um, including you have to go like go somewhere um, to like deliver an item. And the point of that is to make you actually like have that that actual um, kind of experience. Like it's a ritual to a certain extent. Mm. Um, and we're seeing more of that kind of stuff phase into tabletop as well like i'm sure it's been there for a while but i definitely at the moment i feel like we're seeing more and more um mm. I, in particular uh skeletons the game oh i want to play it i've played it it's very I, good by jason Morningstar, yeah yeah yes yeah. so skeletons uh very briefly is about playing the undead protecting a tomb um and you have set amounts of time that pass between your awakened states, the awakened states being when something has intruded into the tomb. Um, And you have, the game gives you those set amounts of time and you use them in whatever uh, configuration you decide to, uh, but you can only use each one once. Mm. And when you do the amounts of time where where your tomb is at rest, you completely darken the room and sit Uh. in darkness. So good. Um, if for and uh, for several minutes or seconds related to the amount of time that's passed, um, and there's prompts uh, for what to think about during that time as well. Mm. Um, and then there are other games that like make you do crafting. There's uh, there's my magical um, parable game where you, if you want to cast spells, you have you the player have to have a copy of. A, the spell to oh, hand yeah. that your character is using, so you end up having to make an actual spell book for your character. There's another game. Um, I don't know what the premise of this game is, but it is a magic game as well, where you make spells by doing blackout poetry in in books. That's cool. Um, which I think is very cool. Uh, and when I saw it, I, my immediate thought was, "God, that's a spell <laughs> book for my game." <laughs> That's definitely exa- an example I'm putting in, and, and like, and we see more and more of that sort of stuff where you have this intersection of a physical activity that you do in your tabletop game to improve immersion and also to try and create, um, create those, uh, those, those that that presence in the moment. Mm. Um, and there's a bunch of games that we could talk about that are related to that, but I, I just sort of wanted to touch on. Uh, the fact that we see that that cross contamination, we see. Yeah, I kind of feel my. I, it's not saying I've, I guess, thought about specifically, but my feeling. I, I'm just kind of thinking this now is that like a, a game, any game that has mechanisms um, that are intended to have an effect on the players as well as on the narrative is essentially like a, a sits at that intersection of lap and tabletop. And so when I say that, I'm thinking dread mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. because it's, you know, you yes, you are telling a story. You are just sitting around a table. Um, but, you know, the effect of having the Jenga tower is that you feel that anxiety and that um, uh, in, in a very real kind of way. Um, and I haven't played it yet, but I mean, Starcrossed, which 
Yeah, I've got to play StarCross for our two-person RPG <laughs> show. I haven't gotten around to it yet. Um, which, uh, just in case anyone's not familiar with StarCross, uh, also the same... uses a Jenga tower. Uh-huh. Um, and is about a forbidden romance between two uh, characters. And I, someone ha- I remember reading somewhere that it's sometimes after you, you have played it, you may feel like you want to kiss the other player. Um, which, mm, I mean, well, that's... I mean, <laughs> hey, Melody, next time you're in New South Wales, do you Absolutely. want to face Starcross? Love to. Um, that goes for Craig as well. <laughs> I don't know when I will be in New York and you will be in New South Wales, but, you know. And... The other one is Ten Candles. So yes, I know you've played oh, Ten Candles. So good. Um, yeah, well, you, you extinguish candles as you do scenes in that one, don't you? Uh, yeah, and uh, also then if one of the candles goes out, a scene ends. ends. Yeah, and yeah. if you you kind of have these cards that have things written on them that are your traits for your character, and you can use them once to get a bonus, and when you use it, you have to burn them. Mm. It's mwah, so good. Good content. I really do want to make a role playing game. Where in order to advance the narrative, you have to sacrifice physical things that the players mm-hmm. own. Um, but at the same time, mm. I'm like, I'm poor. I don't want to make a game <laughs> where you have to become, where you have to destroy your own property. <laughs> like, it's a cool idea, but it's, it's a bit mean. <laughs> um, so, what what do we think are things that tabletop maybe has a easier time simulating? than LARP does, uh, if, if any. Because I'm having trouble thinking of one that maybe... I mean, I, I want to say combat, but that's not necessarily <laughs> true. It's just that in tabletop combat, you can do things that your character... that you cannot do. Um, whereas in LARP, most of the LARPs I know of, you can in combat, you do things. You do thing. You have to do the thing that your character is doing. Uh, I have I have something actually. Sure. Um, this is based off of a conversation I had with my friend Sean Jaffe, the writer of the Rememorex game that I had mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he's also a LARP designer as well as a tabletop designer. So he he is also me and him have had the, had this conversation quite a bit over the past year or two. Um, ultimately, what tabletop can do better than LARPs can do is uh, give you. Uh, two things, really, or maybe more, at least two things. Uh, one is uh, give you the sheer amount of scope of the world that you are in. Um, you can be in a LARP. You, uh, in a LARP, you are confined to effectively the, the space that is part of the game, the physical space that is part of the game. Um, whereas with a tabletop, you can literally go from one end of a country to the other end of the country in in literally a span of a game session. Whereas in a LARP, you are relatively confined to the space that LARP is is being played in. It is easier um, so, to undertake um, ex- expansive journeys in LARP as correct. well. Yeah. Um, the the uh, other in tabletop, as- sorry, in tabletop. In tabletop, yes. Uh, the other aspect is the controlling of uh, time and also the making, uh, actually, all right. I found a third thing already. Um, again, as you're traveling, you know, days and weeks can pass. Whereas with LARPs, you are experiencing time linearly. Um, you, unless you're even, even if you're playing a time and fate mage, like I am want to do, um, 
you are still, you as a player, still experiencing uh, time from, you start at one time, you end at the other, and that is roughly the time that your character experiences as well. You're, you're seeing intersections, not their full narrative. With a tabletop, you can literally stop uh, at one session at one second and then restart immediately a month later at the exact same time. You have, uh, so that makes it a, so you can control the, the narrative through time a lot more precisely than you can at a LARP. Um, That's an interesting thought. I guess that makes time travel LARPs a bit difficult. They are a pain in the ass. I mean, it's very easy to do a time travel LARP where you travel through time once. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I Actually, I'll give you an example of, LAR- of uh, time travel and LARPing done horribly wrong. I am telling you all, I am telling your listeners to this as both a player and as a storyteller slash GM, uh, never do this if you ever want to have friends. Is this is this a major story? It's definitely a mage story. I'm all ears. Absolutely a mage story. For the record, it's Mage the Awakening, but this also applies to other games. Um, So I was not here for this, but this happened. I have had multiple confirmations of this scene. So there is, uh, this was at a convention game, uh, I'm going to say within the past 10 years. um, Multiple, uh, we're talking at least two dozen people in a combat scene against NPCs. And they get through maybe 20 to 30 minutes of fighting as this is wont to do because everyone is, because it, it it is theater LARP combat scene. So it actually stops and turns into a tabletop combat scene. Um, but as, it, as it's getting to its fever pitch, a few time mages decide they're going to use shifting sands, which is depending on your successes, you get to go back certain, a uh, certain number of rounds in time. Oh, these three God. mages, or three, these handful of mages, completely reverse the entire combat scene, which is again with it, roughly an hour at that point of time, just completely nullifying it. I'm stressed just thinking about it. Yeah, I can see a narrative reason to do that, but I, I do, I do ask. I would ask, like. Why? <laughs> because they uh, and and here is the ultimate mage answer: the mage, the awakening could. answer. Because they could. That's fucking dumb. Yeah. So this is why I, this is why my my game about mages going to school is yeah. not about them learning spells. It's about them learning why you don't fuck with the essential laws of of reality. <laughs> just because you can. It's like, oh, we're going to kill entropy. You think that's a good idea? Yeah, it'll stop us from being able to die. It's so, like, no, it'll do worse. Fun, funny um, funny story of, uh, <laughs> about that. Um, I once wrote with some friends and ran a Nobilis laugh. Um, oh, are, you, no. are you familiar with Nobilis? I'm vaguely yeah. aware of it. Basically, uh, it's kind of inspired by uh, Neil Gaiman's Sandman. Like, the players are basically represent different, you know, fundamental, like, concepts of reality in that yeah. kind of thing. Cool. Um, at one point, like, there are about 20 players, and, you know, if they add their powers together, they get pretty powerful. At one point, to stop something from happening, someone made Earth uninhabitable, um, retrospectively, uh-huh. so it had never been inhabitable because it had always had a toxic atmosphere. 
Um, I can't even remember what what they did after that, but then someone ended up like retrospectively like undoing that, and it was uh, it was logistically a nightmare. It was very fun though. Well, that's um, <laughs> that's bonkers, to be honest. <laughs> that's just wow. Yeah, Novellus is a lot. Um, yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. just too much. <laughs> um, too much one th- but one, there are some cool techniques. So we're talking about like time and linear time and that kind of thing. There, are, like, there are a lot of um, cool LARP techniques for doing stuff along those lines. Like uh, a lot of them have flashback mechanisms and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so you could like step aside with another character and have a conversation, and, and it's you know you can say this is a conversation that happened in the past or. Um, uh, in um, Red uh, Red Sisters Black Skies, which is a LARP based on Night Witches that I wrote, um, when one of the characters dies, they actually still hang around as essentially as a memory, and you can just like talk to them. But also, you could do you could have like a go aside with them and say, okay, let's have a conversation that we had before you died, uh, and that kind of thing, um, which allows you to yeah do some like. Allows you to approach, approach things at really interesting angles that aren't necessarily accessible in a tabletop game. Mm. Yeah, interesting. Um, cool. Um, I'm wondering because we are getting close to our time limit. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm wondering if there's anything else we feel like we want to say right now. I mean, obviously, we could talk about this. <laughs> we could talk about this topic for like hours. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, I'm just thinking. What, I'm just trying to think what the what the what 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 the pressing topic may be. Um, does anybody have any thoughts? Um, I would like to uh, make a point uh, just because again, uh, from the experiences I've been having is that because I'm with a, uh, I'm in an area where I have uh, people who are both table toppers and LARPers. Like they, they do both. There's usually that strat- uh that, you know, separation of the table and, and the LARP, but with the groups that I play with, they do both. There is a room for both of them, and I have really begun to appreciate the uh, table toppers who are able to, who have the freedom of being able to like act out their scenes, mm. you know, and act out, you know, like I'm, you know, like if they're going to, you know, like seduce the countess to make, you know, to give you the, you know, the the keys to her vault, actually like role playing that beyond like their die roll. Um, yes, I definitely. That's really, the, I, that's really I, the stigma. I definitely think that um, we see more and more like people. People are more and more comfortable with um, doing like conversational scenes and things, um, and doing and engaging more with the role playing element of a role playing, like a tabletop role playing game. Uh, but definitely, Melody and I have talked about this before. But definitely, like there is a stigma of like dealing with um, intense emotional. Uh, conversation yes. and emotional moments at the table, and it's like, oh no, that that makes me uncomfortable. And it's like, it's fair enough that it makes you uncomfortable, but does it make you? But but analyzing why it makes you uncomfortable is worth talking about. And like, if you can explore that and play through it, and if there are people around you that will support you in playing through that, then I definitely think it's worth it. I definitely dislike. I definitely am not interested in abstracting um, conversations in role-playing games unless uh, unless the conversation starts to get to the point where it's like, um, well, now we're just... Let, eating, let's fade na- black on now, this. Now we're just eating time. 
And it's like, okay, well, I mean, yeah, you continue to ramble about the merits of custard for the next two hours. Moving on. <laughs> I mean, I do like custard. I mean, it's a de- it's a fine dessert. <laughs> um, Agreed. Yeah. Mm. But yeah, yeah, I definitely, yeah. I remember the first time I was at a role-playing game at session and somebody actually like was describing how they were attacking someone. And I was like, oh, we're allowed to do that? <laughs> like, rather than just saying, oh, I, I stab it with my knife. They were like, oh, I leap at the enemy and I <laughs> slash across his doublet. Uh, and I'm like, that, That's what? actually... Um, over the... Uh, I was at Gen Con this past month and I was we running a... because we're Australian. <laughs> fix that. Not the Australian part. The it's lack like $4,000 to go. That's okay. It's we'll just start our own Gen Con. Yeah, actually, no, that's fine. Uh, there was a Gen Con you, in Australia for a couple of years, but it was not cost-effective. Anyway, I was running a couple of... Uh, I was running a playtest of 7th C Katai, uh, the new uh, a- uh, Asian and Oceania-based uh, setting that uh, John Wick Presents is putting out, um, which, ironically enough, carries a... We swear it's not Australia, a uh, nation <laughs> called Camara. Um, so um, I got to do a very lovely scene of um, basically it's one of the things that I enjoyed was the fact that um, it's all about a game of, do you want to do the thing? Co- like the coolest thing you could possibly imagine. What do you want to do? If you have enough dice to, to justify that you've done it, you've, like no arguments. It is allow. It is allowing you to do the cool thing, and it involved hover surfboards, uh, fueled by mana. Fuck. Uh, Are you sure I wasn't a- playing in this game? Was it a fork? <laughs> Did I send a fork to Gen Con somehow? Possibly. <laughs> I don't know. Um, it was, and it was also a. Uh, this the player was a fourteen-year-old girl who had never played Seventh uh, C before, and was nervous about the system. Um, so as we're like, as they're flying towards like the, the villain's base on hover surfboards, God, I can't believe I got, I get to say that sentence. (laughs) It's Um, a good sentence. They, uh, that, uh, that player's, uh, pre-gen character has a, effectively a Japanese war bear as an animal companion. Excellent. So she's like, so it was like, how are we getting the bear to come with us? And going, all right, so we take, like, chicken wire, we lash him between two of the boards, and, you know, the bear just, like, kind of coasts on it like a cargo net. Cool. As we're, they're trying to go through the blockade, uh, the, the player goes, we have a giant bear, and we need to get past this. Is it possible to, like, somehow use the bear to slingshot, like, kind of pendulum our way <laughs> rapidly across the blockade? And she offers me a couple of raises, which is uh, anytime you roll, you're rolling D10s in this game. Anytime you get uh, any dice at R10 or equal 10, uh, you, you, that's, that's a raise. And you can spend those to do those cool things. Right. So she offers me. So yeah, you can spend raises to affect fate. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so she, she pays up and I go, yeah, absolutely. And just that, like getting to narrate that, you know, centrifugal, like, spinning of the bear. The bear's making noises and just, <laughs> and just like, slingshotting uh, the, the three of them, the, the player, the NPC on the other board, and the bear um, across this blockade of fire. I'm going, 
You can't do that at a LARP. <laughs> not not yet, any anyway. Safety regulations. <laughs> oh, no, I know the, the, uh, no, animal rights would be on my on my ass in a heartbeat. The moment the moment I mentioned chicken wire and a, and a Japanese war bear, um, n- none of us would be would be leaving that room alive. Um, but it's one of those awesome things that, like you with with tabletops, you're allowed to get you're allowed to take a lot of refu- refuge in aud- and absurdity and audacity. Because it's on paper, it's in your imagination. You have a lot more spin on on the environment than you ever would in a LARP. Um, until uh, uh, alternate reality technology gets really advanced. Until somebody <laughs> um, builds the dream park. Oh God, please, 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 please. <laughs> yeah, cool. Um, yeah, excellent. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. Um, it's interesting to me. I'm I'm looking to get. I really want to play more than just combat LARPs, so that's like I'm mm. thinking of maybe going to. Um, I think Melody mentioned it last time uh, she was on, but uh, there's a there's apparently a LARP convention in Canberra. Uh, it's not just LARP, so phenomenon. Um, it's- I saw an ad for it the other day on something, and I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Um, so it ha- it's it's just a role playing games convention, but it has like a significant kind of um, culture of of freeform LARPs um, and that kind yeah, of thing. So they no- they normally have about eight different LARPs on offer every year. I was going to say the the ad that I saw um, was predominantly focusing on LARPs. Mm-hmm. So that's that's it. Might have been something else. <laughs> Apparently, there's a lot of conventions in Canberra. <laughs> um, which is weird because it's not that easy to get to. No, true. It's yeah, it's a pain getting to Canberra because for me because the budget airlines don't go Adelaide to Canberra anymore, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but um, if if it is Fano, you should come because I'm going to be running a game there, which will be it'll blend. be next year because this year I'm going to PAX. Oh, nice! I'm going to be taking two games with me to give away. I'm going to be oh, taking awesome. my Mecha RPG, which yes. Which is a tabletop, and I'm going to be taking a game that spun out of um, my a duo game. Yes, uh, it is a single scene LARP about gods having sex. Yes, yes, I love it. Uh, it begin. It has. It fits on a. It will hopefully fit on a business card, and it will have on one side. It will have a script with a bunch of blank spaces. Um, that's where you introduce who you are to the other person and mm. the gift that you have brought them on this uh, erotic occasion. That's excellent. Um, it w- send me a uh, send me some literature on this. That's all I'm going to mm. say. Oh, I'll <laughs> say I, have a, I have several. Oh my! Um, <laughs> there are I know at least three or four friends right off the top of my head who would be down for this game in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. Well, last time maybe, Melody was on the show, maybe. we wrote. A LARP together. Yeah. <laughs> While we were doing the interview, we wrote a LARP that is about being, I believe it was called uh, a, yeah, was- a Queer in a Queer Land. Yes. Yeah. Uh, which is about being a queer person from a place where that is accepted and going to a place where the people, where the queer people of this location have to be, have to be secret and have to talk in like a cant. And the way the game is oh. played is that you have. You throw a party, you pick one person to be the stranger, and they <laughs> arrive later than everyone else. And then the person, and then everybody else, uh, before they before that person arrives, 
makes up the cant and the taboos the th- <laughs> and the way you flirt in this language. And then that person arrives and they have to try and work <laughs> out the language so that they can flirt with everyone else. Uh-huh. Oh, it's Polari the home game. Yes, yes. yeah, literally. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we need to we need to write it down sometime. Uh, I have a draft written, um, ah, just excellent. an outline. It doesn't uh-huh. have any mechanics yet, but I have it written in my documents, and uh, at some point we'll work on it to, again. Glorious. Um, but yes, I think um, I think uh, more interviews should end with with people designing games together. Uh, <laughs> it was a good time, yes. um, but it was wonderful to have you both on. Um, to talk about this. Unfortunately, uh, we've, we're about to run out of time. Um, so uh, hopefully maybe we can talk about this or, or something like it again um, mm. and have another discussion. I'm, I'm planning to do more things like this in the future. Um, I've actually awesome. got a thing lined up with some of the small, uh, two of the two other people that work on Australian conventions. Cause I work for uh, work on Nukon. I actually mm. made me the chairperson uh, out of the blue, I was very surprised when that <laughs> happened. Um, so, uh, in a, f- a few months before ArcanaCon, um, which is a convention that happens in Melbourne in January, uh, happens. Uh, my friend Haley is going to be is part of the running organisation for that now. Uh, so that's going to be the first year that they've participated in organizing a convention another Mm -hmm. acquaintance of mine runs etoncon which is another convention that happens in the blue mountains twice a year and they've been doing that for uh, a few i think maybe eight years now uh and then um uh the convention that i work for has been running for four years and uh and i have worked on it twice um so we've got a nice diversity of uh diversity of experience there and we're gonna we're gonna be talking about that um we're going to be talking about that, uh, having a discussion about how to run cons and the challenges and stuff and a bit of a behind-the-scenes look in the future. So that'll be the next, like, three-person uh, conversation thing we do with our, with our diversity of experience. And then, you know, I'll tag you all in for other fun projects in the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for now, is there anything you want to give a shout-out to? Uh, any of your own content or content that friends might be making that you want to... Uh, celebrate or praise in the moment that might need a boost. Um, Gosh, there's, there's so many things. I know, right? So I'm going to like kind of abbreviate it by saying that I like follow me on Twitter, Magic Space Girl, because I'm regularly like retweet cool things people are doing. Um, uh, at the moment, you should go check out Free Spacer, which is a uh, space. Um, spaceship like kind of political agents based um role-playing game that's being kickstarted and, and we have an this. interview with the designer of that on our show on, oh, our, on our site as well oh um, excellent uh, I'm, I'm one of the kickstarter kickstarter stretch goals for it so you should um yeah you just get melody as a stretch goal <laughs> <laughs> i just show up at your house so yeah i don't leave um <laughs> you have to you have to feed her yeah her. it's worth it though trust me um and but also um, on my Twitter, keep an eye out for news about Nurture Core, which is um, I'm kind of like slowly getting together a um, thing for promoting and maybe publishing some like indie um, games here in Australia. I'm trying to kind of build up a you know culture with more conventions and kind of communication um, and promotion of Australian games. Um, yeah, and so there's a mailing list. Um, follow me on Twitter; you'll get a link to it. Yeah. Craig? Um, okay. Uh, so, as I said before, I am uh, 
currently working with John Wick Presents on 7C Katai, um, which go to johnwickpresents.com for more information on that line. If you haven't played 7C, please do so. It's one of my favorite systems of all time and one of my favorite settings. Um, I also have a gaming blog called Other Worlds Than These. Uh, the website for that is otherworldsthan, T-H-A-N, dot blogspot.com, uh, where you'll see me rant every so often, put up fiction and such like that. Um, I also have a Patreon account uh, where I write uh, serial fiction, including a, uh, a uh, series called Bleed, ironically enough, where it is a game about, it is a story about uh, players and the various game worlds that they exist in. So if you're a fan of Where Geek or various other titles that bleed the line between players and their characters, uh, that is one of my premier series. Uh, another series, Ray, I know this is uh, uh, important for you, is uh, Bastard Children of Bastard Gods from my Kensei mm. setting. Uh, Kensei, Kensei. Is- <laughs> Uh, Kensei is my cyberpunk martial arts uh, setting in a America that has gone completely to pot and is run by the most powerful co- uh, corporations in the nation. I don't and understand it, how it's different to the current setting for America. Uh, nanotechnology and martial arts tournaments. That's the right. difference. There we go. There uh, we go. We're working on we're working on one and getting to the other. I'll let you decide which is which. Um, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, no, I didn't realize when I was writing the setting I was going to be prophetic. Um, but <laughs> uh, but anyway, um, uh, that those uh, those series are on my Patreon, which is www.patreon.com slash Craig Page. Uh, the C and the P in Craig Page are capitalized. And I am also a member of Phoenix Outlaw Productions, a gaming company that does both tabletop and live-action roleplay. We recently premiered our Arc Song setting, which is a sci-fi space adventure in a wor- uh, in a setting where uh, humanity has discovered how to hack the source code of reality to hmm. make space travel happen. Cool. Uh, so if you want to play Space Mages... Uh, or if you want to play, we have space mages, we have space hipsters, pretty much. Um, we like this time period, so we're just going to live it. Hell yeah. Um, it's pretty much it. Uh, we have space communists, because yes, space communism. <laughs> Sign um, me we up. Have, we have splatter punks. We have, uh, we ba- we've got it all. We stuffed it all into this ship, and we're going to ride it into the sun, folks. But that is a live action role play setting. Uh, follow wow. us in Phoenix. Out- uh, find us on Facebook at Phoenix Outlaw Productions. And I think that's it. I I don't think we have a time for me to. Yeah, indeed. It's a bunch of stuff. So yeah, if any of that sounds exciting to you, please check it out. Uh, if you want to try and if you want to help support us. Um, please uh, check out our Patreon. And if the rewards are things that you'd be interested in, uh, consider giving us some money. Even $1 will uh, will help us. Uh, that will like 100% pay for uh, more internet hosting and things like that. Mm. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, let us know what you thought about this discussion. Let us know if there were other things that you wanted us to talk about um, or ideas for other uh, formats like this with, with three of us. Mm. Um, Keep in mind that one of those people will have to be me, so preferably, <laughs> preferably find things that I know something about. <laughs> um, 
but yeah, let us know down in the comments below if you have any thoughts on this episode or others. Uh, and uh, other than that, I just want to say thank you to Melody and Craig for being on the show. Uh, and uh, I hope to see see you all again soon. Uh, but uh, for now, farewell from the past. <laughs> I'm Ray.